figure in my life until I was about eight. When I was eight years old, uh, a conflict happened in my dad's life. My biological father, um, he was the type of man who uh, was a Christian during the day, uh, would take his mother to church, um, but had another side of him that desired worldly things, desired uh, to use illegal means to get ahead, desired to use people, drugs. Um, and as a result, those two things came to a clash when I was about eight or nine, either the Christian man who wore the facade or the man who desired worldly things. They couldn't continue to just abide with one another. So my dad continued to pursue the worldly things side. And as a result, uh, his family was hurt, his friends were hurt, and his son was hurt. And that had a, an everlasting effect on me to the point that about four years ago I had a conversation with my dad. And if you know me, like, you, don't, you see me get excited, but you don't really see me get mad too often. There's not a lot of stuff that can really push my buttons. But my dad and I had a conversation, and for the first time I shared with him everything that was on my heart. For the first time I told him all the reasons why I felt like, uh, why I felt insecure in myself. And that flowed out of a hope that my dad would realize that beyond anything, I just wanted him right with the Lord. I just wanted to see him connect with God. And what hurt me most was that my dad didn't acknowledge anything. He didn't care uh, that the family was devastated, and he didn't care about his offense to God. And I think over time that's developed a sensitivity within me when we're in this community and I talk to someone who's selling drugs or I talk to someone who um, is beating their wife or they're just blatantly not living a Christian life and they say, but I'm a Christian that submits to Jesus. Yeah, I know Jesus died for my sins. Shut the F up, young da 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 Like, you know, you just see this violent, this violent attitude in the midst of praising God. And guys, I want to talk today about repentance. Because repentance doesn't allow that to happen. Repentance doesn't allow you to have, to live a dualistic lifestyle. Repentance forces you to choose one or the other. So as we get into this, this topic today, will you guys pray with me, please? Father, it is a, a joy to come before you, to get into your word. But, Lord, let us not leave um, having learned something new. Let us leave changed. Let us leave um, desiring to live a life that glorifies you. Let these words in your, in your word expose our hearts so that we may look more like you. And as the song says, imitate you so that you may be lifted high. That's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So, first slide for me, Matt. So, the, the word repent, it's not, a, it's not a Christian term. If you, if you, for some reason, like reading old books, you like reading scholarly material, the word repent just means to turn away from and turn towards. Turning away from and turning towards. So, so for the Christian, that means to turn away from sin 
and turning towards God. I like to think of it almost like uh, uh, I used to play football, basketball, got my nose broke, playing all types of sports. And whenever something quick would come towards me that would harm me, I would turn like this, turn away. It was like a, uh, I knew that that was something bad, so I turned away. That's like the, the visual picture I get of sin, something that's devastating, something that's bad, something that's not good for you. And you're turning away from that. But you don't merely, God bless you, don't merely turn from it. You turn towards God. You're turning towards our Heavenly Father. And I think the best scripture that kind of illustrates that is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from them and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. My people, humble, pray, seeking my face, turning from their wickedness. One of the, one of the, the issues that my dad has always wrestled with was, why would I turn from something I'm benefiting from? Why would I turn from wickedness? But he never realized that turning from wickedness was supposed to lead him towards God. And friends, if we try to turn from wickedness merely in and of itself, we're trying to act out of our own strength. We're trying to just grab our stamina and, you know, get our Oprah stance on. And I'm just, I'm good enough. I can handle this one. You know, I, I can do this within my own strength. And I want to tell you, you can't. You can't. You can't, you, you're not strong enough to just live a sinless life. But, but I think we need, to, we need to understand repentance in a bigger, a bigger picture. Brother Matt. So the role of repentance in salvation. So you have faith and belief is what gives us salvation. That's clear. We look in Ephesians, your faith and your belief is what gives you salvation. But, but what I kind of have above faith and belief in the parentheses is conviction and repentance, and below is conviction and repentance, so that you can see the, the, the interwoven connection between them. You see, faith and belief, I like to think of it as, as kind of like two pedals on a bike. You got faith and belief on one hand and conviction and repentance on the other. And with faith and belief, you have an assurance in your God. You are certain of the God that you believe in. My belief, I jump in the car, I'm certain my brakes are going to go, therefore I take off. There's, there's action, there's, there's fruit, there's, there's a, um, a lifestyle that flows out of your faith and your belief. But your conviction and your repentance allows your, feeds your faith and your belief. So when, 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 back up, we were all at one point sinners. Some of you guys are believers in here, some of you guys still are unbelievers. But the Bible says we were all unbelievers at one point, slaves to sin. And then God, in his love for us, made us aware sin is wrong. 
See, we were swimming in sin before. We was kicking it. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was cool. We were having a good time. We didn't know that, you know, sleeping with everybody was wrong. We didn't know that being filled with other spirits, then the other spirit was wrong. We didn't know cheating on our taxes was wrong. We didn't know forsaking our kids for the sake of partying was wrong. We didn't know. We thought we was doing the right thing. I'm not as bad as them. I'm not as bad as them. And then, bam, God opens our eyes. Conviction. He brings an awareness of the sin that you're in and says, now that you are in this sin, you have an opportunity to repent, to turn from that sin towards God. And see, every time that your faith moves forward and your belief increases, he reveals another aspect of awareness of sin in your life. See, you don't arrive just because you became a believer. Oh, I'm cool now. I just got faith and belief. No, like, oh, okay, you used to curse people out. Now I want you to stop doing it in your heart. Repentance. Okay, you used to actually steal clothes and boost stuff. Your faith and your belief in who God is is increasing. Now, I want you not to, not to covet in your mind the things that your neighbor has. Conviction. Repentance. And as one continues to move, the other continues to, they're, they're so interwoven that you, you can't, you really can't separate the two. But we see it often in our community, unfortunately. Nate and I were a few months ago, talking about, like, what do you do when someone does separate it? What do you do when a person says, I've got the faith and belief, but their other pedal isn't peddling? The conviction and the awareness that they're in sin doesn't matter. The desire to repent isn't there. I think, I think we all need a greater understanding of repentance. Because if we, if we have the idea, I think we just need a greater understanding of repentance. So Matt, hit that next one for me. The nature of repentance. And what we're going to go through are three aspects of repentance that, that if it affects our heart, that if we experience, um, just for, provides great restoration. Great restoration restores us into a healthy relationship with our Father, with God. Remember, conviction, repentance, you didn't do that. You weren't strong enough to do those things. God made you aware of your sin. God made you aware that you could turn. But at some point, you had to make a choice to turn. You had to make a choice to, to abide in that, in that repentance opportunity that God is providing. So genuine sorrow. Genuine sorrow. <laughs> Second Corinthians. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Friends, the, the, the sorrow that's spoken of here isn't just feeling bad. We're talking about you committing a sin against God. 
And what is sin? Sin is, um, hit that next one for me, Matt. Sin is any offense against God. So sometimes we, I mean, I started off talking about my dad and how, you know, he sold drugs and all this stuff. And we think, oh, that's, I'm not that bad. I'm cool. My offenses aren't as bad. You know, I'm not the guy on the street. But, 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 but Jesus kind of flips that whole thing and says, no matter how good you look to people, let me examine your heart. I pray that our hearts are imitating Christ and daily are looking more and more like him. But t- I, 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 I confess, the more faith and belief that I have in God, the more he exposes areas where I need to grow. Areas where I need to repent. Areas where um, sin is prevalent. So, friends, um, yeah, gossiping, slanderous talk about others, you know, wow, could be a sin, adultery, yep, pride, yep, pride, huh, can be so subtle. I mean, this week I've, <laughs> I've had to repent of pride because all my life I've been taught that anytime you speak in front of people, you come sharp. Not having a haircut in front of people that you're speaking with. What? Like, you don't do that. You know, I'm supposed to have a crease in these jeans, y'all, a tuxedo on, you know what I'm saying? I'm supposed to be suit. And all week, the Lord has just been saying, like, so, is it about you and what you wear or about your time in the Word? Your time with me? You know, it doesn't have to be that you kill someone today. Like, no, repentance is a heart issue, man. And, and, and I pray that our people... Don't stop being, that the sorrow doesn't escape us because we don't think that our sin has the gravity that others do. And why does this sorrow happen? It's because while we're sorrowful, we have sorrow in our hearts because of a person. We've offended God. We've just, we've just hurt the feelings of our maker. We feel bad that we've offended our creator. That's where the sorrow comes from, not just mere remorse, but a heartfelt desire to cry out, um, desire to, to, to be right with the one who loves us most. So I ask the question, is there sorrow when you commit sin? If there isn't, I think I, I really, um, and the Bible talks about when individuals sin a lot, that God will at times give you over to that sin. That the heart can become callous. Friends, if you sin and have no um, God-felt sorrow, I would start praying for that. I would start praying for that feeling again. Because that is, a, that is a, a, a tool that makes you aware that you even need to repent. That you even need to get back right with God. And if you don't have that, if you can sin with no heart conviction, I think you're in a very dark place. If you call yourself a believer. So is there sorrow when you commit sin? Nature of repentance. So we're going through genuine sorrow, disgust towards sin that demands an action, humble self-surrender to the will and service of God. Next, 
disgust that demands an action. Acts 26.20 For to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, And to the Gentiles also, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. For those of you all who aren't Christians, that, that's a, a metaphor that's used pretty often, uh, refers to bearing fruit. And we, we get that illustration um, from Jesus who says, hey, uh, you can't pick an orange off of an apple tree. You can't get an apple off of a pear tree. You, you should, you know a tree by the fruit that it bears. So, so what would the life of a Christian who repents look like? Hit me up, Matt. And actually, this, this is a time where, like, I'm not being, uh, what's it called? Not heretical. What's it called when you say something? And you're just saying and y'all supposed to think on it. It's the tip of my tongue. Hypothetical. No, that's not the word. Rhetorical. Thank you. Rhetorical. Hypothetical. I just jumped on it because that was the first thing you said. <laughs> but uh, I'm not being rhetorical. Seriously, like this is a moment where everybody can stretch a little bit. And I want you to give me an answer. What, what would it look Oh, you gave him some answers, Matt. My fault. Go, cut, make that blank. Go, go back. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Um, yeah, what, what would it look like if, if, what would the fruit of a repentant person look like? Um, friends. Sam, I mean, Jim, Jim. I would, <laughs> I would say that, uh, You'd be able to have grace with other people because you would know your own need. Hmm. You would be able to have grace with other people because you would know your own needs. Well, I would say uh, the fruit of a person that's repentance would be more sorrowful in the acts they've committed, hmm. in thoughts and in deeds. Hmm. Hmm. So you're saying other people might not even see the fruit, but that God would see that sorrow that's in your heart. Because of the sin you've committed against them. Amen. I think it would have to include some level of not doing the things that they were repenting of. Like, it's not just continuing in the sin, but... I mean, there might be a struggle against it. You might not get over it in a day, but there will be a marked difference between who you were before and who you were after the repentance. I gotta take my point. Hey Amen. That's that's true. And I don't want us to miss that because his voice was a little soft. But that as you repent, you're not gonna do the same thing again. You cause God sorrow. It it hurt your Creator. You don't want to do it again. You're gonna try not to do it again. Does it mean you may fail again? You may. But dang it, give it the 100% try. We're not going into it saying, 
Ah, uh, well, because I'm not perfect, I might. No, that was the last time. And God, which was strength, that was the last time. I would definitely have to say that uh, vulnerability mm-hmm. with select few um, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, confession of sin mm-hmm. is, a, is a true sign of repentance. If, if you're trying to hide it, you're probably not repentant. Mm. Good word. Yeah, friends, I think um, I think um, we've hit a lot of them on the right on the head. These are just some of the ideas I had, but you guys helped me flesh those out more. Strategy to fight sin. I mean, if you know that getting drunk is one of your issues, um, maybe you should say, I'm not going to the bar anymore. If you know that, you know, uh, Internet stuff is one of your issues, maybe you should say, I'm not going to be on, on, on web at night by myself, like, you know, um, if you know that that speaking to someone about an issue will make you help you to fight against it, if someone else knows, accountability to others. You know, but all, all these examples are just strategies. It's 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 ways to turn towards God and pursue Him more. But friends, I trust that as you see the hurt that you're causing God and you become and it's, it, it, it creates a disgust in you you don't like it either that you'll be able to come up with some method some way to, 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 to pursue righteousness and some structure to help you fight that so we've gone through the genuine sorrow disgust towards sin that demands action and now humble self-surrender to the will and service of God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, part of, part of repentance is you releasing the reins. You saying, Lord, I've done it my way. I've tried to do it on my own. Father, you are in control. Jesus, take the wheel. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, I'm not here. The control is out of my hands now. And, And that's what God is longing to do. I mean, he has a plan for our lives. He... I can't tell you, and you guys probably have experienced the same thing, but I can't tell you how many times, like, God uses me to witness to someone, and it was only a God set up thing. Like, I'm driving through, let's just say, okay, this is hypothetical, because I can't remember one off my hand, but let's say I'm driving through South Dakota at a, at a, uh, pull-off rest stop, and the person in front of me at the machine has on a, I love Detroit t-shirt, uh, and I wish I knew God on the bottom or something. You know, like, you know, like, I mean, opportunities that I couldn't even create. You know, conversations with people where you're like, wait a minute, you knew, you worked with my mother for 20 years and I never heard of, you know, like, things. And, and the reason why I use specifically witnessing 
is so that we don't get the idea that repentance is solely about us. Repentance is about God. God loves you, wants to care for you, and sin offends him. So when we repent and allow sin to be removed from the equation, now God can forgive. God can care for you the way he desires to. God can use you to witness for his glory. Use you at a, at a rest stop or on an airplane or in Detroit at a corner store or while you mowing your lawn. Use you. But man, it's tough for God when we walk around with, 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 with so much repentance. I mean, so much sin. I was talking to my wife and uh, bouncing some ideas for this sermon off of her. And um, one of the questions I had was, babe, like I'm searching all through the scriptures and I can't seem to find examples of Christians that struggle with repentance. Like, like what happens when, not struggles with repentance, excuse me, what happens when a Christian doesn't repent? Like they just live their life and keep on going and like just doesn't repent. And she was like, whoa, honey, that's not a Christian. Like the biblical authors are saying, okay, you've let go of this allegiance to sin. You've turned away from it and turned towards God. And the vehicle that helps you really embrace that concept is repentance. So why wouldn't you want to do it? Why, why would you deny that? Like, I'm your all, your everything in control, have a greater plan for you than you do, love you more than you do, more than your mama do, and why don't you want to repent? It's like, it's not even in the, in the mind of the Christian writers to, to make a place for that. Why? Because we're trying to imitate Christ. And in imitating Christ, we can't continue to try to bear sin. But that's, that's kind of what we do, right? Like, isn't it, isn't it silly that, like, we'll, we'll, like, take on sin, right? Like, my, my evil thoughts. My, uh, our ability to lie, right? Our, um, deceitful hearts. Cheating on our taxes. Lying about how much stuff we have. Come on, y'all. Name, name some lies. Help me out. Name some sins. Wandering eyes. Prideful heart. Materialism. Come on. Jealousy. Idolatry. Man, hold on. Let me put this back. Idolatry. Rage. Is that what you said? Yeah. Anger. Yeah. Come on, sister. We in Detroit. No. Racism. Injustice. You see, the, the, the Christian authors are saying, okay, great. I see you taking on these sins. 
But why aren't you turning away and leaving them? Why aren't you turning away, turning towards me and releasing these sins? Look with me to the the next slide, Matt. Contrite heart. Has not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being, declares the Lord? This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. See, God longs for the person whose humility is in him, not in ourselves, not in our stuff, but in him. And in doing so, we release the many sins that we are taking on. He's saying, friend, why are you continuing to hold on to these things? When I desire for you to be cleansed, for you to be free from the weight, free from the burdens. So I do want to, want to talk for a second about what sin is not. I mean, what repentance is not. And uh, repentance is not mere remorse. Because there's a big difference between Judas and Peter. See, Judas betrayed Jesus. You know, read from Matthew 26 on. Judas betrays Jesus. And what does he do? He feels bad and he goes and returns the shekels. He goes and returns the money. Then he goes and hangs himself. Feels bad. But Peter, Peter gets indignant with Jesus. Jesus, I'll never deny you. Never. I'll cut off an ear for you. That's how about it I am. Jesus is like, no, my son. Before the, before the you will deny me. And what does Peter do? He denies him, but then he goes and he weeps. He weeps, like, uncontrollably, because he realizes what he does to his Lord and King. He has godly sorrow. And then we see Peter used all throughout the Bible. See him preaching and acts. I mean, such a transformation takes place. Why? Because it's not mere remorse. But also... It's not just an apology either. Because an apology can be for you or for the person you care about. Come on, man. Y'all have been in, in a long line with the Secretary of State and, and she's cussing you out. You get kind of mad. You get a little attitude. And then you realize, uh-oh, I got to come back and see this lady. Because she's the only one that can help me. So what do you do? Hey, I... I'm sorry about the way I acted before. That that wasn't my usual character. Um, Would you mind helping me? And in your heart, you really don't want to apologize. You want to tell her off some more, but you know what? You need to get right in order to get what you need to done. Like, apologies can be for our own purposes. Apologies can be for for your own benefit, you know? And, And apologies can also be for others. I mean, it it can come from a decent place where, you know, you've hurt someone's feelings and you feel like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. But, but, But apologies are results driven. You know, if the person doesn't feel bad, you might not apologize. You know, if the person doesn't, um, isn't affected in a negative way, you might not acknowledge it. But, but, but the difference with repentance is that we know we've hurt God. 
It takes myself and it takes you out of the picture. I'm not apologizing for what I did to you, and I'm not trying to apologize in order to get something. Lord, I repent and I'm remorseful because of what I've done to you. So lastly, there's two, two points I want us to leave with. And that's that repentance is a gift and repentance is rest. A gift because through repentance, our sins are forgiven, friends. Through repentance, our sins are forgiven. Wow. Like that, that, the reason why Jesus died so that our sins might be forgiven. See, there, there are two different tracks. There's a track for the unbeliever who comes in, and at that moment, like, wow, repentance happens, and they enter into a relationship with God. Okay? And if you, and if you haven't had that experience yet, where you truly have allowed God to become your king, where you truly have submitted in a way that you're not in control anymore, I invite you to come talk with me to come talk with Eric, to come talk with Nate, to come talk with Ronnie, some of the brothers in here and sisters in here who would love to talk with you about what it means to have a real relationship with Jesus. But repentance, it's not a, uh, it's not a noun in the Bible. It's like a verb. It's like, I mean, you do repentance. You don't arrive and just get it. Got repentance, I'm all good. It's like, no, you repent. Why? Because as your faith increases and your belief increases, so does your conviction and your repentance. So, friends, lastly, it's rest. It's rest. Repentance is rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My friends, I pray that we don't continue to go through life, that we don't ever go through life, thinking that sin is something that is mild, that we can gloss over, that, that it doesn't have an effect on our relationship with God, because it does. I pray that we would be a people who are known for the fruit that we bear, a fruit of repentance. So as the crew gets ready to come forward, um, the, the, the musical, not musical, the worship team, um, I want you guys to help me with something. Because someone asked three questions, and that's where this question of repentance came from. So I've got the mic. These next three questions, I'd love for us as a body to answer. And just be real, come from the heart. Again, you know at MacAv, all answers aren't right. So we may correct you and, 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 and encourage you, but please, feel free. Why is it so hard to repent sometimes? Oh, come on. Oh, let me hit the bottom of it real quick. Boop, boop, boop. There we go. Because you know when you repent, you are supposed to turn away from what you're doing, and some people feel that they're not ready to turn away. Mm. Mm. 
That's a that's a whole sermon about Leon. What about when when I actually like the sin? You know, I get the rush out of stealing, or you know, I like sleeping with everybody. What, what about that? It's a whole a whole sermon on that. And I would say we need to be praying for a sorrowful heart. Yeah, I think what you're saying, like, not only do we not think our sin is that bad, but we think God isn't as good as our sin. Mm. Like, it's just the sense that we don't, we don't acknowledge God's goodness and his glory, like, in its fullness. Mm. And that, like, we chase after these cheap imitations of God. Mm. Um, because we, I mean, those are more tangible. We don't, yeah, they're easier for us to see the goodness of that, how it feels good. But mm. we don't, yeah, we don't, we don't see the, the value of that sin in light of the value of God. Amen. Great word, brother. Great word. What happens when a person is convicted and does not repent? I was asking that last. I had one of these things I, I think of that I hate the most. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of people don't want to repent a lot of times or want to admit that they're wrong. Mm. And that pride sticks in there. Mm. That's one of the worst things it is. Mm. Yeah, that pride is. Yeah. yeah. It is. Amen. Amen. What happens when a person is convicted and does not repent? I, I would say that the the uh, sweetheart. Oh, you got a mic, Jimbo. Um, I would say that bitterness might build up in someone who doesn't repent. Um, yeah, just like, I mean, it, like you're carrying around that backpack, it just, it all builds up on, on one another and it's just, you're burdened. Ooh, typo. What are the effects when repentance is not experienced? And I, I was hesitant to put this one up because um, I'm not sure I understood the question fully. So if one of you guys can break it down for me, or was it your no, Nate? It, it seems very similar to the second question. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but it seems like what Rebecca's saying, like, if you don't, if you don't get to that point of repentance, but you acknowledge that you're sinning, mm-hmm. then you do have this kind of the building up, and you you also have a desensitization to sin. Mm-hmm. It just becomes easier and easier to sin, and you're turning yourself like you're not receiving the Holy Spirit's conviction anymore. So it's kind of just this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets easier and easier to sin, and harder and harder to get back to that point where you can repent or Amen. want to repent. Yeah. So you're Good stifling word. the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm. Um, the first thing I thought of is just things get ugly. <laughs> yeah. that, like, uh, and one of my old pastors used to say that sin always promises more than it can deliver and mm. always keeps you longer than you want to stay. Mm. That it's all glitter and gold up front and it seems attractive and it seems appealing, mm. but then once you get entangled in it, that it's the backside of it is very ugly and that if you're feeling convicted as a believer and choosing not to repent and choosing to become rebellious then 
I mean, everything gets flipped, you know, because you're following this imitation of the Lord that's good and loving and all that, Mm -hmm. but it's truly not any of those things. Get duped. Yeah. Yeah, friends, I want to um, thank you all for your wisdom um, and share with you that the, the beauty of my story is that over 15 years of praying for my father, um, he came to know the Lord and in a way that has been amazing. I mean, he came forward and repented of things that I didn't know of um, as, he, as he got right with God. But the restoration that has happened as a result in our family has been, um, it's beyond anything I could have ever dreamed. Our relationship now, amazing. And I was blessed because I had a stepdad that stepped in when my father wasn't there. And now I have two men that love me dearly. Um, But there's nothing like longing for love. And I've got to imagine that when we sin towards God, and he longs for love with you. How much it hurts him when, when we choose not to repent and reject him instead of love him. So next, huh? choose not to love him. Friends, we're going to move forward to a time of tithe. And uh, even though we're moving forward, I almost don't want to even talk about it. I don't, I, don't, I don't want the reality of repentance to just leave your mind. Um, please don't let, don't let the words allow you to leave without thinking about the seriousness of repentance. But with that said, uh, we're a church body that believes that worship happens in all components of our experience here, including the giving of our tithes and offerings. And if you are not a church member at Mac Avenue Community Church, then feel free to allow the, the feel free not to give. Um, because this is something that believers, that the body uh, enjoys and partakes in. Uh, you are welcome to if you would like to give, uh, but please don't feel obligated because um, that's not our heart and that's not our, our desire. Our desire is that you would experience community um, with no strings attached except the string that says we love Jesus and we hope you will too. So my two brothers are coming on down. I feel like y'all about to start stepping on that mug. Oh. <laughs> my two brothers are coming down and um, they will come forward with baskets to uh, uh, receive your tithe. Let me pray for us and uh, our worship team will lead us in a time of worship. God, you are love. And you extend love to us in so many ways, but most clearly through the death of your son. Every time we repent, Father, we embrace that death. And every time we choose not to, we reject it. So may we, Father, be a people who uh, embrace it every day, seek to repent. And Father, I thank you for allowing whatever funds that do come um, to be used to bring you glory in this community. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.